Our sermon this afternoon is from Pastor Steve Andrews. It is entitled, By Our Hands. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> if you think this is a, uh, that Art and I were working together on this, these messages, didn't have the foggiest idea. And in fact, I didn't even quite know what I was going to preach on today. And I kept perusing around, and you know what? I found something I did back in uh, 2013. And I thought, well, I'll I'll look at that. I thought, you know, the the world since then hasn't gotten any better since, since I preached the message, and it was called Last. And what I was really thinking about at the time were the different, oh, how do I want to put it, ways in which people were using foul language to express themselves. And this was back in 2013, and sure enough, it's gotten even worse than, than it was back then. And the, the more I look at it, the worse it got, the, the, from Hollywood to politicians, most of what you hear today was only heard from sailors and, and oil field people. I, you know, my, my background in working on oil rigs pretty much let me in on that particular one. I had to put up with that a lot. But it was interesting that the language of today has gotten worse. And we're going to look at a little bit of that. But I, I, because this is a little bit serious, I thought we'd do a little funnies first. I like funnies. And uh, positive words, powerful results. I like this book, Hal Urban. He, he, it's a very, very small book. A lot of interesting stuff in it. And I'll read a couple of things out of it today, too. What ads? Doberman Pinscher. Matt probably like this one. Smart, young, strong, good guard dog, eats anything, loves children. For sale, antique desk suitable for lady with thick legs and big drawers. <laughs> hey, these are just ads. Now is your chance to have your ears pierced and get an extra pair to take home too. <laughs> Seeking employment. Tired of cleaning yourself? Let me do it for you. Seeking employment. Man, honest, will take anything. <laughs> Use cars. Why go ev- uh, everywhere and be cheated? Come here first. <laughs> child care. Our experienced mom will care for your child. Fence yards, meals, and smacks included. Illiterate. Write today for free help. Signs in Georgia Public Park. All dogs and some children should be kept on a leash. On a New York uh, convalescent home for the sick and tired of the Episcopalian Church. Hey, I didn't write these. On a, on a main shop, our goal is to give our customers the lowest possible prices and workmanship. 
Somebody should read these over before they publish them. On the highway sign in Arizona, state prison ahead, do not stop for hitchhikers. On a highway sign in Texas, hitchhikers may be escaped convicts. The sign was riddled with bullet holes. In the office of a loan company, ask about the plans for owning your home. <laughs> in, in a New York coffee shop, customers who consider our waitresses rude should see the manager. <laughs> Near a diner, a gas station in Indiana, eat here and get gas. In a window of Kentucky appliance store, don't kill your wife. Let our washing machine do the dirty work. <laughs> In the window of an Oklahoma Photoshop, have the kids shot for dad from 24.95. On a Chicago radio shop, best place to take a leak. A scene everywhere, slow children at play. And by the way, there's a sign in Inola that says that very same thing. Slow children at play. Every time we go by that thing, there's a bunch of slow children out here playing. Anyway, a few funnies before a little bit more serious um, thing. As I was saying, let's turn to the first, uh, and I'm going to use my iPad today just in case I have a something I want to look up or say something about. Uh, all out of the King James Version, of course. We'll start in Matthew, the 12th chapter. And like I said, uh, it, Art did a very good job of laying the groundwork for this message, and I, I'm very appreciative because some of the things that he already went through were some of the things that we're going to look at because the mouth and the, uh, the, the things that we say are so very important. Jesus <clears throat> said these things here in Matthew, the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 34. If we get down there to it here. He says, O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So I say that's just dovetails very, very well with what Art was, 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 was talking about. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of that good treasure of the heart brings forth good things, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that a man shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. That's why it's so very, very important what we speak, what we say, and how we say it. Also in Matthew, the seventh chapter, Matthew 7, and beginning in verse 17. Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth fruit, good fruit, not, good, uh, not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So we, sh we should always test the fruit, shouldn't we? We always test the fruit. See what they are producing. And a lot of times, it's the things that are said and how they're said that we can understand 
the fruit that they are, they are producing. In Psalm, the second chapter in verse 1, I love, I love Psalm 1 because it's so encouraging, but it seems like in Psalm 2, that first, word, those, that first verse there, it says, and I'm going to just read it here, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? It just seems like that there is so much rage today. I mean, everywhere you look, people are in some kind of a rage over something. And I don't know what, back in, in 2013 if, if there was that much rage, but it does seem to be increasing in this day and age. For some of you, I don't know if anybody's familiar with World Net Daily, but I do appreciate Joseph Farah and some of the things that he produces. And he did, he did a, a three-part article on Psalm, the second chapter, and I thought it was very, uh, very profound. And I, I'm just going to read part of this article the, today. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Rage. It's the noun and verb for our times. As a noun, it means angry fury or violent anger. As a verb, it denotes acting or speaking with fury, showing or feeling violent anger, fulminating or exploding or detonating with loud noise and issuing crass denunciations. He says, don't get me wrong, I've lived a long time through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, from the 2000s to the 2019, and that's about the, <laughs> the extent of my own life. I've seen a lot of rage by the heathen, the unbelievers, all those who imagine vain things, as in Psalm 2 describes, but never have we witnessed an age more characteristic of full-throttled rage. It manifests itself in the world through terror, licentiousness, pride, abominations, greed, lust, lies, and murder. I'm going to skip down here just a little bit through this article. I don't want to read the whole thing. In 2008, the first rage room opened. Uh, some of you probably heard about the rage room. Opened in Japan. Since then, they've opened all over the world. Dozens of states, including New York, North Carolina, Arizona, Wisconsin, Virginia, Utah, Maryland, California, Florida, West, uh, Washington, Ohio, Missouri, Texas, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Nevada. What's a rage room? It's a place to go to smash things, to smithereens, in a space of controlled violent tantrums to relieve pent-up anger and resentment. <sighs> Gotta get rid of it all. Well, does it work? That's hardly a biblical prescription. And even many secular experts say participants are simply training themselves for the likelihood of future uncontrolled violent outbursts. The young female proprietor of one rage room in Dallas was beaten to death last year. Her ex-boyfriend has been charged with the murder. So why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Psalm 2 explains it in rather spectacular fashion. Blaming the kings of the earth who take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. It's a rebellion by those who want to break the rules, cast away cords that bind a creator and his created together. And so many of them don't even believe in the creator, so uh, they've already forgot about God. The rulers conspire together against God, but in heaven they just laugh in derision for now. But the day of wrath is coming, writes David the psalmist in one of the most remarkable passages in the Bible. What is the day of wrath? It's when God will set his kingdom upon this holy mountain 
of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son, this day I have begotten you. That's out of Psalm 2, verse 7. This Old Testament scripture is clear that God is going to place his one and only begotten son on the throne in Jerusalem, where he will rule and reign over the whole earth. He will take the heathen for his inheritance, breaking them with a rod and dashing them to pieces like potter's vessels. If he needs to, he will have the power to do so. It's an amazing prophecy, an amazing warning, and an amazing promise. But why, um, <clears throat> be wise now, therefore, O you kings. Be instructed, you uh, judges of the earth. Says it, um, it says in Psalms 2, 10 through 12, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled uh, but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Is there, <clears throat> if there were any doubt, the New Testament affirms this prophecy is about rage against Jesus, born in the first century uh, uh, and in the future. And you can look that up in Acts, the fourth chapter, 24 through 28. Names the heathen and the earthly rulers raging against Jesus and his followers as Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, and those in Israel rejected the Messiah. And we know how that turned out as Jesus had to die on the stake. Have you wondered why there's, no, there's so much rage in the world today? It's a sign of the times, just as it was in the days of Noah. In the first century, as it would be expected in the latter days, the hardened hearts and persecution. And I thought that was a very good thing. Let's turn to James because part of the problem is the tongue. <laughs> and I know we've, uh, that this has been gone over before, but it, it fits very well into, uh, into this message. Let's go to James, the third chapter, in verse 1. Um, he says, my brethren, so he's talking to us because we're the brethren today. Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all, but man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be gr so great, and are driven of uh, fierce winds, yet they can turn about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor lists. And that's true, even these big tankers, all they've got is a small, it might take them a while to turn it, but they just have that little small thing at the bottom that, that turns that big tanker. He says, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. And so is the tongue among our, our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Remember, out of the, the heart we speak. And so if the heart is full of fire and hatred and stuff, it's going to come forth and it's going to speak out. He says it's a world of iniquity. So the tongue among our members and it defiles the whole body. For every kind of beast and birds and serpents of the things of the sea, this is verse 7, is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue 
can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a, a, a vine or figs? So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out the good uh, uh, conversation. Well, that's good works. Uh, um, the con uh, conduct, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter and envying strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensuous, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. And we see that in the, in the society we, we live in today. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in the peace of them that make peace. You can see what God really wants is a heart that is filled with these kind of things. Pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And when you speak, those things should be evident as they come out from that heart. As I said, I was going to go back to positive words, powerful results. There's a couple of places in here that are kind of very interesting. And I just want to read a few words here. The, the power of words. A careful word may kindle strife. A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and still. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen strife. A loving word may heal and bless. He gives the dirty 30. And here's the dirty 30. Well, part of them. Uh, bragging, swearing, and other gross out language. Gossip, angry words, lies, mean-spirited, hurtful words, judging others, playing poor me in the self-pity game, making discouraging remarks, embarrassing and humiliating people, excessive fault-finding and criticism, complaining, moaning, whining, rude and inconsiderate language, teasing, uh, manipulation, trying to pr impress others with phony and sincere comments, ethnic and racial slurs, sexist comments, age-related put-downs, uh, being negative, always pointing out what's wrong, threats, arguing, interrupting, not letting the other person finish, playing Trump, always stopping someone else's story, being a know-it-all, false flattery, yelling, uh, talking down to people, being condescending, exaggerating, blaming, and accusing others. He calls that the dirty 30. And uh, he had one other place in here, and I might, oh yeah. 
Here, here's how he looks at some of these things in daily communication choices. You can complain or you can express appreciation. You can swear or you can use clean language. I, um, I related that one incident there on the, on the rig where I was, had to, just had to sit there, even though I was not, it was not very uh, enjoyable, um, where they couldn't figure out how to, to speak in plain language. They just had to use that swear word all the time, always, every time. And it got to the point where they didn't even know how to speak to one another without every other word. So, I, I use clean language. Don't fall for what's going on in the world. You lie or to tell the truth. Tear people down or build people up. Use rude words or use polite words. Ignore people or greet people. Gossip or not gossip. Take people for granted. Tell people their value. Laugh at someone or laugh with someone. Blame someone or accept responsibility. Well, that's one of the things we have a problem with in society today. Talk about yourself. Ask about others. Point out things that are wrong. Celebrate things that are right. Remember, I'm writing the kind of the the the, the kind of negative on the left hand side and the positive on the right hand side. Leave um, leave people's names out or say their names. Hi, Chris. Um, discourage others. Encourage others. Demand things. Request things. Use angry words and tones. Use gentle words and tones. Be sarcastic. Be sincere. Talk while others are talking. Listen while others are talking. Avoid eye contact. Make eye contact. Be straight-faced or smile. Anyway, I like Hal Irwin's book. It's, it's very well written and, and has a lot of good points in it. And a lot of it is biblically oriented. So let's look at Mark, the 14th chapter now. As we go on. Where, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm about ready to dry up here. We are covered a lot of the Old Testament scriptures, which I very appreciate, appreciative of. I'm going to be covering uh, a lot more of the New Testament ones. And Mark, the 14th chapter, and... Beginning in verse 33. And he takes with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy and said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry you here and watch. And he went forward a little while and fell on the, on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. Of course, we know what the scenario is. Jesus was about to be, be betrayed and to be killed on the stake. And so he was praying. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. He come and found them sleeping and said unto Peter, Simon, 
Sleep you? Could not you watch one hour? Watch you and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And the spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. When we come into situations like that in our life, where, where there is um, temptation, the flesh is weak, isn't it? But the Spirit is ready to help us to overcome those things. As Jesus said. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the, the 10th chapter. And beginning in verse 6. Now these things were for our examples, that the intent should be not to lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be you idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur you as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all those things happened unto them for examples, that, and, were, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. All of those biblical things are for our example to go back and to look and to see how they actually failed, and yet how God reached out, always was reaching out. He did many things to, to try to bring Israel back. And he went the, <laughs> a lot further than probably most of us would have put up with some of the things that were going on with the Jews and with Israel, and especially with Israel in the wilderness. And we know that once they finally came in and became a nation, and had kings, that God finally also had to take them out of, the, out of the land, out of the promised land because of their sins. Because there was, because of the evil kings that came and, and ruled the people. So, wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In Galatians, the sixth chapter. Some lessons from Paul, beginning in verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. There will be a day of accounting. There will be a day of accounting. For he that sows to the, his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them of the household of faith. In Ephesians, the second chapter, beginning of verse 2, he said, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. And I remember in my, my youth, the time that I walked in, in that, I was pretty disobedient, uh, kind of the rebellious teenager. Uh, had felt pretty bad about some of the things that I said to my dad over the years that I, I regret uh, as a teenager, letting that rebellion just show. And I even left. I even went out and got a job and left home early, and so that I could be by, be away from the family. Well. I was uh, very thankful that they wanted to take me back. So later on, I, I got really sick, and Mom and Dad took me in and uh, nursed me back to health and were very helpful to me to get, get over those things. And they also helped me in some ways that uh, I, I know it was a financial burden for them. So I'm very thankful and, uh, that, that they were willing to do that, even though at, at times... I, I was like this, a child of disobedience. One that was not very thankful for the things that, that, that they were doing for me. And I think sometimes we don't see that God is doing things for us and taking care of us and working in our lives. We should be thankful to Him for, one, helping us to understand the world that we live in. Because some just don't understand that. And, and two, helping us to understand his plan both for us and for mankind uh, the the funeral that we we did uh, Brandon's brother uh, I didn't read a lot of scriptures I did read some on the on the uh, on the resurrection but I was I was trying to help them to understand that there was going to be a time in which he would be resurrected and have an opportunity to understand the truth. So I did read the, about the great white throne judgment at that funeral. Among whom also we are all had our conduct or conversation in times past and the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you were saved. And has raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow. If we really believe this, that we already have a place in the kingdom. 
We already have a seat in that kingdom. This should really encourage us in our own life, on our own things that we do in life. That God so loves us and has given us that place that when the day comes, when He returns and sets up that kingdom, what we just read about, we will be there. We'll be a part of it. So we, we have that place. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and the kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of your, uh, yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. So, uh, it's kind of a, a double thing there is. Not of works, our own works, but God does expect us to do good works, which God has ordained, uh, has before ordained that we should walk in them. Well, I think that's a key point in what we're reading here. There are, uh, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and we have good works that we need to do, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So let's go now to Hebrews, and let's see what we can learn in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, the second chapter, beginning of verse 1. He said, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Boy, when we, when we look in the Bible and we see what God holds out for us in the kingdom and places that we're going to be and what we're going to have responsibility, wow, this is a tremendous salvation that's being held out for those who are the first of the first fruits. You know, Christ is the first fruit, but we're going to be the first of the first fruits. We're going to have an opportunity to be in that kingdom, a part of that great kingdom that's going to be set up on the earth with Christ ruling and with power. And he'll give us that opportunity to rule also. So as we read the scriptures and we think about our, our position and the salvation that we have, we should be very much encouraged. Which at first began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed among us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness before with signs and wonders and different miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. And of course, when we received that Holy Spirit, God opened up to us His will, His truth, His way, and the direction in which He wants us to go. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, we read these words here, beginning in verse 4. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest on the seventh day from all his works. In this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not because of unbelief. I think one of the greatest things that we have an opportunity in our Christian walk is to believe the scriptures. It's to believe what they say and to be encouraged by the words that are written. 
these are things that at one time were written and then spoken again and again and again down through the ages. We are at, well, it's not quite 2,000 years, but it's pretty close, getting closer. And down through the ages, men have gotten up before congregations and spoken. Bible studies have been set up, and these words have been spoken over and over and over again to encourage one another in this way of life, in this truth. So we believe. Again, he limits a certain day, saying, In David, today, after so long a time, as it said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, and that was uh, Joshua, that would have been um, when they came into the promised land, then, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore rest to the people of God. For he that entered into the, his rest he has also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest that any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the uh, uh, dividing asunder of the soul, the spirit, and the joints, and the marrow, and the and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you read the word, does it sometimes cut deep? <laughs> does it sometimes affect you because you, you read it and it was a... It kind of hit home? Because the word of God through the Holy Spirit actually does affect the conscience and that's that deepness in the heart that, that Art was talking about. The access to the heart. Because we know that we are the temple of the living God. That's what the Bible says. And so consequently, those things affect us when we are close to God through His Word, through our relationship with God. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in the sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Back to chapter 3, picking up a couple of verses here that I think are very important. Beginning in verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is yet called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So what we, we live in a world that is filled with sin. I mean, when I gave that message back in, in 20... What was it, 2013, I think is what I said. Yeah, May of 2013. It, it was, the world was full of sin, but it's even worse today. And we know that. We see it. From, from everyone that broadcasts, it seems like, to Hollywood. 
politicians, anywhere and everywhere. And it seems like sin is glorified today. It is made plain. that It's almost glorified. So we have to be very careful that we take heed that you're... That in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Stay close to God, brethren. That's, that's one of the things we need to be able to, to do is stay close to God. Stay close to His Word. Let it rule your life. Let it be in your mind and heart. Continuing in Hebrews, this time in the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, uh, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. None of us have. In fact, sometimes we just give in to it, don't we? And we have to then come back to God, repent of it, ask God to forgive us for the, for the weaknesses that we had. I don't know if I was going to, I wasn't going to take it much further than that. But you can read the rest of that. It's very, very encouraging. Let's go to James, the fifth chapter. And just one verse there, in verse 12. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. But let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay lest you fall into condemnation. Boy, I mean, there's a, a lot of things out there that we have to be very careful what we say and what we do. Anymore, you can end up in, in jail just for some of the most pathetic things. I, I was trying to remember, there was something in, in UK now that they, they can't do without ending up in jail, and it was so so silly it didn't even seem like something that they should that should happen but I, I can't remember now exactly what it was I was reading it and, and my, my thoughts uh, aren't there anymore but it didn't seem like something that would cause you to end up in jail over that very thing and but anymore you almost can't say anything uh, I have a lot of old DVDs from the 30s and 40s and they used to do a lot of things that they couldn't even do today because they, they wouldn't even dare. I mean, some of the, some of the big um, names back then, Bob Hope and uh, different ones that you're familiar with, they would hire uh, Charlie Chan, Bob Hope, all of those had had black actors, and they, they were funny. But you couldn't do that today. You couldn't put them in a situation like that today. 
Of course, back then there was a, a situation going on that uh, they had a problem, and, and it's been solved. But I think that even the actors probably enjoyed working with some of the big names that they, they were able to work with. But we don't see that, and we don't have that today. Let's, let's go to one more time. Uh, let's go to Second Peter, the third chapter, and beginning in verse 5. For this they are willingly or ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the waters and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to, to repentance. We have a, a loving God that would love to see all mankind repent and come to repentance. But just like some of the verses we read earlier, they have rejected God. They've taken God out of a lot of places that they used to hear about God and don't want to hear about God anymore. And so consequently, this is, this is what's, what's happening. But still, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and, and in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in your holy conduct and godliness? There is a day of judgment coming. And for us, judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Judgment begins here. And so when we read the Bible and we know what it says, that we should have that holy conduct in our life, that holy conversation. Even though the word conversation means conduct, it also, I think, has a, has a good meaning of conversation, that we should all strive to keep holy our mouth, our voice, what we say, and how we bring it to one another, and especially in the world that you stand out when you have those that are swearing and doing things uh, that are very hard to, to listen to. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. Let's see how far was I going to go. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even 
as our beloved brother Paul also, according to wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your, from your own steadfastness. And he, he leaves us with this last verse. Grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen.